You're listening to Plans We Make. I'm Ian Chang, drummer for Sunlux, and this is the second of three episodes discussing the theme of technology with some of our favorite artists and collaborators. Today I'll be talking with Su Guan Chung, a Chinese-born, Canadian-raised artist and researcher. The two of us met in Brooklyn around 2010 when we were both involved in similar electronic music circles. I've been a fan of her art ever since and really connect with her humanistic approach to incorporating technology in her process. Among her many accomplishments in the art world, Su Guan is a former research fellow at MIT's Media Lab and a pioneer in the field of human-machine collaboration. She's been awarded artist-in-residence positions at Google. Her work has been exhibited internationally, including at Art Basel in Miami and the National Art Center in Tokyo. And in 2019, she was selected as Woman of the Year in Monaco for achievement in the art and sciences. I had a chance to catch up with Su Gwen in her studio in Switzerland recently, where we discussed her path as an artist and her extensive work collaborating with an AI technology she developed called Doug which stands for Drawing Operations Unit Generation Blank. Hi, Su Gwen. <laughs> Thanks for doing this. Thanks so much for... Yeah, I, uh, I don't often do stuff like this, but it's, um, it's fun to mix it up in lockdown, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think that was, that was the idea. So here we are in conversation about technology. I guess I'll, well, let's just first start talking about how we know each other. And it's actually a little bit difficult for me to pinpoint maybe when we met, because I feel like we were in similar friend groups very, very, very early on, like maybe 2000. Like, I know for sure that like we went to a wedding together. <laughs> like we were at the same wedding. We were at, at uh, my friend Matt uh, from a band Body Language. We were at that wedding together and they have a baby now. So that's how long, that's how long it's been. <laughs> Yeah, I think um, I remember because I was in um, sort of the music scene in New York around like 2008, nine, and beyond, you know, um, doing stuff with uh, Percussion Lab and they were tight with body language. And I actually, right. I was, um, I knew everyone in body language except for you. Right, yeah. Like I knew Matt and uh, Grant and... Uh, uh, Ange. And Ange, yeah, yeah. And like yeah. we'd like hang out and they'd like we'd go to each other's events, but I didn't ever know you, but turns out like uh your cousin is like a child. So like all this like weird serendipitous stuff. Uh yeah. Yeah, because we I think that makes sense now. Cause you were doing you were part of the music scene and you were doing a lot of like artwork and stuff for that community um around that time. Um but yeah, it turns out that my cousin Vita and you grew up in Toronto together or something like that? Yeah, yeah, we were super tight in Toronto. Um, when we're like childhood friends, all that stuff that I won't I won't talk about and embarrass yeah, the both sure. of us with. But yeah, and then she, she mentioned when we got together once that we knew each other and I went to one of your gigs in Brooklyn and like sort of became more introduced like you and me after all the body language stuff like years later, mm -hmm. so... Yeah, and that was like that was pretty recently too. I feel like that was like maybe two years ago, Max, or something like that. So like that was when I discovered that the two of you were also childhood friends, and I was like, "Well, no way," because I'd been sort of following your work like, like through 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 the years, and um, and you know we'd met at that wedding and like kind of just in the ether. But um, it's cool to those random like small world connections. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I feel like across a lot of different sectors, cause now we re-met again, um, at the IO show 
That's uh, right. Yeah. And it's yeah. not often that anyone from like my previous music kind of circles I encounter in what I'm doing now. So it was uh, it felt it felt like a friend and fam thing in more ways than one. That's so, awesome. That's yeah. cool. Um, first, let's just start off talking about like you know we won't talk about your childhood childhood, but like sort of what your path was like, kind of um, deciding to become a professional artist. Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting question. I think, like in regards to professional artists, I don't, I, I sort of still don't really feel like a professional artist. When I think of like professional artists, I think of like, I think maybe more like career, like art path, you know? Um, right, but, right, right, right. But I think um, I decided to spend a lot more time doing this work um, and sort of like shifted my whole life many years back, probably like ten years back or maybe a little less. I don't know, time's a bit weird for me right now. But um, I feel like what I'm doing is I'm doing a lot of this um, with all I've got now, like pretty pretty full on, full time. Um, and that sort of happened, uh, yeah, I would say like eight, ten-ish years ago, I was um, doing, like I think a lot of people in New York, um, like doing freelance and I had like a full-time job because I'm like Canadian and, and, you know, to be in the country, there's a lot of different hoops at that point. Anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm Canadian as well, so I, I relate. Um, yeah, I'm on the I'm on the O one um, one visa, so that's a whole that's a whole thing that we could have a whole other podcast conversation about. Probably, <laughs> it's like the amount of money and time I've spent just to exist here is insane. Um, but, Completely yeah. right. So it's like different if you're from another place, like before, like, and we have like our practices now in art and music, but like before that, to even be in the United States, you needed a sponsor and all that stuff. So anyway, um, yeah, I, I remember there's like this point where I like decided I could get like another full-time job. Like my whole department had been laid off and I like could do that more or I was sort of just at this point where I started to do more installation work and I remember getting some offers but then like emailing people after and like really not self-importantly but I kind of laugh at this now um I emailed all of them and I was like I think I'm gonna do art full-time now and like looking back I'm like they didn't care um but uh but yeah I mean I I think I made some moves uh, many years ago to try to um, yeah, just see what would happen and take that risk. And, uh, mm. and here we are. That's a big leap to make. Yeah. And it's, uh, I feel like, you know, maybe when you're writing those emails, like who knows if other people cared, but I feel like just like saying that for yourself was probably like, yeah, I, I feel like I can relate to that as well. Just kind of being like, Oh, like this is, this is what I do. And I'm my, I'm my own boss. <laughs> and, uh, when, when was that for you? Well, for me, it was, I went to college in the States, so it was a little bit like, um, I started sort of like playing gigs, uh, and I went to school in New York, so I was like playing gigs in New York and kind of just getting into that world. That's when I like started playing for body language and started touring and stuff between finishing school and also just like trying to figure out what it would be like to be a musician, getting paid under the table, like doing lessons and stuff like that. And then graduating, you know, there was the whole like, how do I stay here question. And there was like two routes. One was either to like figure out some other job, but I like had no, I, I just like me as like someone in like the job market, like just didn't seem like something that I even could imagine. Like it was so hard to like, all my musician friends, you know, were like bartending or like a, being a barista or something like that. And like, I couldn't really like 
get a job like that because um, you're it's just not an option when like you know like some random bar is not gonna like fill out all this paperwork and like spend all this time to like vouch for me to like stay in the country so uh, I had to I had to kind of figure out um, some way to make it work and that's when I you know, there's like the one year that you get after school to kind of figure your shit out. And then I applied straight yeah, for when you have the J1. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I did the O one. Uh, I think I'm on my third one now and it's about to expire. It's just like a constant thing. But yeah, I just, I kind of just made that leap. I think it was, it was pretty like, maybe for me, it was a little bit less set. Like, oh, this is like where I'm cutting off. Because in school, I was like doing similar types of work already by the time I graduated I kind of continued it and just like ramped it up and then it kind of turned into a thing where I was just touring all the time and that was basically up until COVID hit oh and yeah then, we, yeah. we got to talk about that man yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I feel lucky that like I've been able to make it work yeah it's it's not easy I think especially like with the visa stuff in mind like the I feel like it's just a bigger risk and uh, yeah, I I really I really relate to that. I yeah. I I kind of yeah. You you wonder how long you can keep the lights on all the time, I guess. So at least I do sometimes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally, totally. Uh, and just not knowing what's happening next month and whatnot—that's yeah. like always always the case. Um, I hear that. Yeah. Yeah. So taking this leap, what were some of the things that inspired you early on, like at this stage, to engage? Um, with technology in your art making um, was that something that you were kind of always inspired by um, you know you know my my parents um, so I was like brought up um, as a musician and a programmer um, my mother is a computer program my father's an opera singer mm-hmm. and I think um, in addition to that I was just a really massive computer person like I don't want to say nerd because I was like oh I'm a nerd like but you know I I was I was very I lived very much in like internet culture and I felt Mm -hmm. like that was really central to you know my development so I feel like they were really one and the same like thinking about analog and digital wasn't that distinctive like it wasn't like I felt I never felt like I was trained in any particularly traditional way that was apart from like just being a, an internet kid, you know? Mm. Um, so I think the, uh, but my, and I mean, I think it, everything that I've done is really um, a very natural development from that. Like, you know, seeing how technology has changed over the course of my life, like, you know, from, you know, the like bolt-on board systems of old, I'm totally going to date myself, but like, you know, from like pre, pre, like MySpace, mm-hmm. like GeoCities times to, <laughs> Geo-Cities, you know, you yeah. to like QAnon, you've got to like, there's, there's a thread there. And I think it's a really fascinating and like defining one for our generation. So, mm-hmm. and, and, you mm-hmm. know, the next one. So I think a lot of my practice deals with, what the relationship with technology is, whether that's like with a robotic unit or AI um, or like just different like software tools. And I'm just mm-hmm. leaning heavily more in more into that just because it, it just makes sense. It's like one line of curiosity um, that expands mm-hmm. and branches. So that's I don't cool. think there is a really particular moment for me, but I do think uh, when I was at the media lab, I thought a lot more about like embodied machines and what like how like so much of my understanding of technology was um based on like this rectangle rectangular screen and all like the 
layers in that, but I, I was curious about what could happen um, and what I could learn by bringing it back into physical space and sort of having that like feedback loop. So mm. that was uh, just a big curiosity of mine um, in like 2014. <laughs> mm. and, uh, and it sort of kept my interest ever since. That's awesome. Yeah, I think there was like, I'll say that I wasn't like, I think my introdu- introduction to the internet was very much like MySpace and I remember and like email and like Amazon Messenger and AIM and stuff like that. So I think like from what I've observed of like my friends who were into stuff like pre that, like before there were sort of more of these like corporate structures, like starting to like kind of kind of dictate the way in which people uh, sort of interacted online. I, th- I feel like there's there was something about that era where it was like it felt more like DIY and like more niche and like it's kind of like manifested itself in how they their relationship with the internet is like uh, beyond that and I think that's that's really interesting and cool um but I missed out on that I was like very much like when I first started it was like just like chatting and stuff like that like with through through MSN and things like that that's a great thing Um, too I think like there's that magic of like like chat or like aim at the time or you know just talking to a stranger that was uh that seemed like we take for granted now right but um Mm -hmm. but yeah i loved that that felt a lot like possibility space to me Mm -hmm. and i kind of in in regards to sort of how that's turned like in 2020 i feel like a bit of sense of responsibility not not like personal responsibility but you know like you can see how it could have gone another way and how it was a different way before and mm. I think I'm just trying to um, explore that kind of stuff in my work and not get too totally. bogged down by, mm. you know, yeah. uh, stuff. <laughs> so, yeah, I, yeah, too much to get into, but yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. Well, that's a good segue into um, sort of talking about the work that you've sort of been doing from 2014 to now. So, you know, like you mentioned earlier, we kind of reconnected again at Google I.O., uh, was that last year or two years ago? I don't remember when things happened at all. But we basically were both on the same bill for uh, Google I.O., which is still a little unclear as to what that event was. <laughs> but um, it was it was interesting. It was really cool. Um, it was really especially cool to see you performing. Um, and we were also uh, collaborating with Monom, which uh, is a spatial sound system uh company based out of berlin and that was like extra kind of exciting for me uh but i don't know i was i was just really struck by your performance um i thought it was definitely unlike anything i'd seen before and it was really inspiring so before i like talk too much about it uh why don't you just give a little background on the on the project and how you first started developing like the ai technology for it and Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I was really delighted about that show. It was definitely a strange, um, but like in in a way where like the highlight was getting to uh, like hang out and like see your performance and like kick it with the monom folk in the with the spatial sound system was a really I think that I've always wanted to do a spatial sound piece. And it was the first time me and my collaborator, Aquarian, were sort of like experimenting with this new process where um, I was drawing um, and performing with my two robotic units, but also we had these uh, contact mics attached to the canvas. 
So what was interesting about using the spatial sound um, sort of system was that we were spatializing the drawing gestures of myself and the robotic units. And that was just, just a really new, um, like real time responsive um, thing. And like Chris was putting a lot of different, Chris Aquarian was putting a lot of different filters on it. And it was just like created this ambiance that uh, was uh, just incredibly special and unique. And I, I would, Looking forward to hopefully at some point doing that again. But the but the performances um, I've been doing almost like accidentally. Uh, like I think of myself as an accidental performer. I started off as an installation artist at doing like large scale drawing, um, projection map installations with like interactive sounds. Um, but then I always sort of wanted to put myself in the frame in those installations. So I would like finish a drawing. Because I just felt like it, like having a, someone there creating in the moment uh, gave it just a sense of life, and 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 then that uh, turned into like this exploration of human and machine, and sort of what what it would look like to co-create with a mechanical, like non-human, like unit. Um, and at the time when I was sort of developing it, I was the only person around, <laughs> like who could actually iterate with it with the Doug drawing operations unit generation one Doug one so it's really accidental in that it was mostly just a curiosity that I had uh in 2014 and then when it came down to show it they're like well how do you want to show it I'm like I don't know this we didn't really think about it and then and then I was like well I could just sit there and do it and they're like yeah let's do that <laughs> So then I remember the first time I did that particular piece, it wasn't with the sound, like it's, it's developed into a much larger show, but I was literally sitting on this like black box that they made for me. <laughs> uh, at, um, it was incubated by uh, New Inc, which is an incubate, incubator project coming out of the New Museum. Yeah, so yeah. I'm like sitting on this black box with this like robotic arm that like more or less sort of works, but it's like kind of uh, generation one. And they didn't really know what to do with it, and they weren't like no one's supposed to enter into the performance space, which is me on this black box and this total black backdrop. So they put like red curtain, like red not curtain, but red um, like hanging rope. Yeah, what do you call those things? Yeah, yeah, I don't know what you call those things, but I don't, yeah. I don't see them a lot in my life. <laughs> so uh, and I was like behind it, so it felt like this really weird like. Uh, accidental thing but since then I was really engaged with it we ended up taking the rope away and then people would come and like watch the interaction and it was just a really humanizing I think moment in um, engaging with like new media performance and it was like super reduced like the installation next to me in the uh, at new museum was like this like projection map like cotton candy theremin and like really oh. like pink like like sound like it's just it's a beautiful piece and then i'm sitting in the dark <laughs> yeah, like yeah, on a table yeah. with like a single light on me so it was just you know it i think it was a very experimental risk uh at the time but since then um i started doing more of those and developing the whole like you know the whole practice around that engagement and i think i've really grown a lot through it IO being uh, a situation where I'm actually drawing with generations one and two of the robotic units. Generation one, which is linked more to mimicry and like um, gesture sensing, and uh, generation two, which is a robotic arm uh, trained on a neural net of my own drawings. 
so actually made a model based on drawings that I've made over the past like two decades um, to as a so collaborator. Cool. So it's like it's been really interesting to see like the drawings from it and actually work with it because it's yeah it's just it's a different type of performance um, and when performers I respect as much as I respect your sort of body of work say that they like it I, I get pretty jazzed because it's very oh, different it's, it's super super cool um, and I'm really glad that you uh, decided to scratch that itch in 2014 and that it's been continued source of inspiration uh, and sort of path of exploration yeah it's it's been a thing a whole thing yeah <laughs> so with uh generation two you know you were saying that you trained it on a neural network of your own drawings obviously that was you had to like gather like a lot of your old work and kind of like feed it that information like what is it like sort of seeing generation that generation sort of work and seeing yourself in that work like do you feel, did, did it feel like you were like, oh, that's something I totally would have done? Or did it feel, I don't know, like, I, I wonder, like, how much of yourself did you see in it, like, once it was actually trained? Or was it, like, maybe more of its own thing, you know? You know, it's hard to say. I think I, at the beginning, it felt more like, a, you know, a part of what I was interested in was, um, you know, this this possibility of, like, non-human creativity or like the beauty of a non-human move you know mm -hmm. um and i think in the beginning it felt a lot more uh sort of foreign and maybe synthetic um but uh now that i've been working with it more i feel like my drawing style is like adapting to the collaboration which is sort of what the work is intended to do like mm -hmm. i'm i think whenever things feel too staid or too familiar I like sort of pushing it into the unknown a bit, which is like, I think it at this point it does really feel, feel familiar. Um, mm. But I wouldn't necessarily say that like, it's a replication. Like there, there's a resemblance, yeah. but it's not like um, equivalence, right? So yeah, uh, sure. so yeah it's, it, there's a lot of, I think what's been really interesting for me about the project is not only like, designing the the drawing style and like thinking about what that kind of translation means but sort of how other people respond to these ideas is like some people get really uncomfortable by the fact that like a robotic unit or like an NAI system could yeah. like replicate x but i tend to get really encouraged by by it in in my art practice because it's like it just shows me a new like way to move and like represents a creative catalyst that I wouldn't otherwise have done on my own. So, Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, one thing that's really exciting about your performances is, or, you know, the one that I saw and I've also seen other videos and stuff is that like, you know, people tend to use technology or think of technology as sort of a standard of perfection and sort of a standard of control that doesn't really leave much room for risk or kind of spontaneity or anything like that. Um, so to kind of, and this is something that I think about a lot with my music and how I relate to electronic music in general, which is a very much like steeped in a history of automation, you know, and kind of uh, having everything perfectly on the grid and stuff like that. So to see you use technology in this way where you're performing in front of a live audience and there's 
all this like up in the airness to it. And it's also, you know, celebrating sort of human gesture, but in a completely different way with a machine sort of that's been fed human gestures. And like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a cool thing. There, there was a, there's a quote, I think it's my friend Rafiq Bhatia told it to me, but I believe he got it from uh, the great improviser, um, Wadada Leo Smith, which is that like, people don't go see the lion tamer. I mean, people go see a lion tamer because there's the possibility that he could be, he or she could be eaten, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I think that uh, for a live performance, that's something that's like really powerful and to sort of harness technology in that way um, was really cool to, to see. Yeah. Yeah. Potential um, for disaster always makes something more exciting, right? <laughs> yeah. The, the, the shit we put ourselves through, right? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, and I think, you know, coming from a more music background, I think I, um, you know, definitely have an influence that that was an influence on me because I would see, you know, these performers like like you and like our friends just really like throw so much of themselves into the work and like it felt so live. It felt so alive. Mm. And when I was getting more into like the space that I was in before this, I was like, man, I don't have that feeling. I don't have that sense of communication with the audience. I don't have that sense of risk uh, at that point. And now I definitely do. <laughs> yeah. so, so I'm not sure that's a good thing for my sanity, but it feels it feels more like what I wanted. So, you know. Yeah. And I'm sure that first time you were like sitting on that black box, like it was like terrifying, but maybe now it's like something that you've become a lot more comfortable with in that space. Um, well, you know, I, I did my last performance in Mexico City um, where I had a heart rate monitor strapped to my chest and I was working with a new robotic unit and like a whole new show. I did this. Um, yeah, it was it was kind of crazy. Um, yeah, just like thinking about sound a little bit more and, and, and had the heart rate monitor attached to the visuals and it was like pulsing. And I think I'm always trying to find myself find ways to put myself at risk in the performances so like I, I i sort of look forward to the day when i i stop doing this to myself and get to relax a little bit more before the performance but, um i mean I, that's actually um uh like something that's pretty topical like i've had to move my uh performances to the virtual you know a lot mm, and it's yeah. i do these like live performances streamed into different like uh this museum in uh, Norway mm. and like there's a sense of liveness there but it's really different I kind of uh, I joke about uh, you know the stress of it but I actually really miss it so how are you how are you doing over the past little while it's a good question um, yeah I've kind of come to accept that like uh, you know virtual performances they do approximate sort of the experience um, I think on both ends but it's nowhere near the same really you know because I, I don't know the way I think of like live performance at least for me like it's really sort of like a, an active exercise in empathy in a way you know because you're kind of like in a room with people and especially also when you're playing music with other people um, and I guess in your case it's like with AI but also with like collaborators you know like Aquarian um, but you know something as simple as just like locking into a groove with someone you're just like seeing where they're at and you're like finding common ground and then that translates to a sound that's like kind of 
in the ears of all the people in the audience and it becomes this collective experience. So that that's kind of how I think of it. And obviously like virtually that does work to some extent, but I think there's just a, there's like the technology for live streaming, especially when it's not pre-recorded is still pretty rough, I think. And so there's like a fidelity thing. Um, and there's an associated kind of thing with like anything that feels too high production of like, oh, well, that's not live. You know what I mean? Like, it's like kind of like this, this weird space to be in, but just like not being in the same room, there's something about it that's different. And I think that, um, more and more I'm, I'm trying to think of maybe, and I don't have any answers, but maybe different ways to engage with people and to engage with community virtually than, than trying to replicate something that, um, isn't completely sort of replicatable in a way uh, because I think, you know, we're forced into a scenario where like, I don't know, just, we're just like in a new world and like trying to do like the old thing in the new world, like doesn't like totally work uh, for me. And I did, you know, I released an album in April <laughs> and uh, I had like developed this whole show, like I did a residency at Mass Mocha for it. And like, and suddenly I was like, shit, shoot, like I don't like, there's no way for me to like kind of, do this in front of people like I intended. So I did a, f a bunch of live streams and it was cool. Um, but yeah, it was also challenging in a lot of ways, you know, it's funny, like finishing, like performing, sweating, and you're just like, Oh, I'm still alone in a room. <laughs> yeah. I think that's been, that's been a hard transition too. like a lot of the, like the flow of doing live, like whether it's like, I think, you know, in just engaging with the space and like, whether that's like your fellow performers or like the audience, but even like the technicians, like, you know, you all go and you like celebrate after, or like there's this, yeah, I don't know. A lot of that, the ad adrenaline doesn't necessarily have a place to go in the same way when you're, when you're right, doing it. Yeah. There's actually a book of called, I mean, it's, it's more on like the, like performance theory side. So it's not like but it's it I found it really interesting. Weirdly enough, I was reading it way before COVID and then like now it just sort of rings in my ears of it. It's called um uh Archaeologies of Presence. And it's sort of like um I'll I'll send you guys the link so you can post it or whatnot. But it's That'd be awesome. yeah. It's cool because it, it sort of um for me it, it examines different approaches to what like what it presence means and like what makes or like in more like performers parlance is like what is it to be live mm -hmm. like and like what like how do you create space in an art practice or like what does like what does that require from the viewer and like the performer and it's i don't know it's been it's been cool and it's about like ways to mutate and ways to evolve that that i feel like are really like uh in in line with what performers are going to have to do now yeah, I'd love to. That sounds super up my alley. So it's, definitely it's cool. Along. I'll send yeah, it over. Thank you. Yeah. So what? Um, you said you've done a couple live streams like since COVID started. What has that sort of um that experience been like for you? Like, um, it's um. Well, I haven't done live streams to like the the internet. Um, I mm -hmm. haven't done like a public live stream like that, but I've done live streams to, um, like specific galleries at different times. Um, mm. like I was supposed to do an installation in, uh, sword, uh, um, SKMU in Norway. Um, and I supposed to have these series of performances over the past few months, but we had to move them virtually and they were great. They were, 
um, you know, game to try a new format with me. So I sort of um, sent over the feed of my performance um, from London, where I was staying at the time, uh, mm. and from the studio space in London, where I'm like just performing with that. So. Um, it was it was different. I think I've uh, I was performing on a platform um, and painting on this platform, but I was surrounded by uh, green screen, so I was able to do some real time um, visualizations based on my EEG um, while I was painting, and that creates this environment. So it's like a really new process. Uh, I think cool. in the beginning, I was really interested in keeping everything like like you were saying, like more close to what the live would be. Mm -hmm. um, or what the live performance would be. So it's still like obeying the laws of physics <laughs> right. and, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and all that. And then, you know, I was just putting the green screen like you would a projected backdrop. Um, and we did, I did uh, five performances. I had my sixth one in a week. But since then, I've slowly tried to like break apart like what like the, the physics and the like the the frame really is, you know, and like and that's really interesting and like ways to distort the image to communicate the performance in ways that I wouldn't normally obviously be able to in person. Um, it's raised a lot of questions actually, because mm -hmm. it's really different to have, especially in like the work that I've been doing where um, I think in performance, like we've all seen film, seen filmed performances of like bands. So you sort of, mm -hmm. there's like a, there's like different approaches that, you know, make sense and like the precedent. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's like a style, there's like, a, but for what I do, there's not like a, I, I don't, if there is, I don't know of it. Like there isn't really like a, a, a sort of script for how the shots are laid out. So I'm sort of directing myself in a way. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm mm -hmm. like, it, yeah. there's, it's not like I do a song. You know, like there's yeah, no song. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so yeah, I'm like, it's, I've been getting more into like film theory and like, like the gaze of the camera and like what different mm. things might mean and like how that can evolve the work a bit because yeah, it's, it's, it's a new terrain. I mean, it's, it feels like a really different medium. And like, to your point, like, I feel like we have to look at it like a new medium that we're exploring as opposed to mm -hmm. like performance virtual you know, like, right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, that's so cool that you got to kind of do it over the course of multiple performances and like that you were able to kind of, you know, ex explore, you know, start in a place that felt more familiar and then kind of like stretch out and, and, and experiment. Um, yeah. I'm really yeah. curious to see that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm hoping to post uh, documentation of that. There's still like a billion things I want to try, especially with like mm -hmm. contact mics and sound. Um, but I think that's the nice thing about being in this space and sort of defining it. It's that like, I can kind of do whatever I want. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, uh, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but it's sort of part of the fun, I guess. So totally. Yeah. And are you, uh, are you working alone mostly? Or are you still able to collaborate, you know, with, uh, with different people? Uh, I'm, I have been working a lot on my own over the past little while. Um, just cause it's been like a mad scramble to get everything together, but I have a new, I'm working on Aquarian's new, album um which is coming out in february and uh and we're working on a new installation project um that we're really excited about potentially with 
spatial sound as well. So, so yeah, and I'm, and I'm looking to, uh, expand, I think for the next little while, um, now that like I'm exploring virtual performances, I also want to think about ways of, uh, exploring collective collaboration. Like if we're all going to be sort of cooped up in our homes, you know, and like, and we're sort of performing, but I feel like, you know, the line between audience and viewers really blurred. Um, mm. I think it's like, how can we make something together? Cause I don't totally, yeah. like, I don't need the frame to be like centered on me. I think it's more about like what's possible. What's like, mm. how do we create like that sense of present presence without physical proximity? Right. Um, it's something totally, I think, yeah. I think apart from like it being an interesting, like concept to explore for you know my practice i just think that'll be good for you know us all like myself even emotionally because mm. it's not easy to you know to go from you know performing in front of people to having like you know a studio practice that's very much solitary so i think it's totally. uh, it, it checks a lot I of boxes that for sure. right yeah 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 definitely as i was uh talking about this with my partner uh recently how like basically for for a majority of my like adult life I've been and especially the past uh nine eight years or so I've basically been on the road at the very least like half of the year you know um if not usually more like eight to ten months and like there must be something about my brain just like getting used to like that shot of adrenaline like <laughs> every night you know and then like suddenly being in a in a situation where um you know I'm working from home and that's that has its uh there's things about that that I love as well and it's totally different but it's just like a it's an adjustment yeah yeah sure. yeah I I uh I definitely feel the same way like yeah. I think it's also you know I'm I'm currently in um Switzerland um mm -hmm. but even like now but the feeling is different because like you know, even though I'm like, I'm, I'm sort of here and I'm mostly like in this environment, but not being able to move around. Like even I think moving around is going to feel really different if we ever get a chance to do that because it's, it's just more restrictive now and it doesn't, totally. doesn't feel like I, I relate to what you said about, you know, like being in all these different places for many years and it was, it's a, it's a different rhythm to life. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. I'm yeah. grateful I got to do it. Uh, before before this all went down and um yeah so I just wanted to I know like I <laughs> it's funny I like sent you all these questions I was going to ask and we've kind of like gone off script which is great um but let's just I just want to circle back a little bit um and I want to talk about Doug and um which stands for drawing operations unit generation one two three four and um and like we've sort of mentioned you know when you kind of first from that moment in that on that black box like you've sort of been exploring different ways to uh, engage with this type of technology. Um, and I think you've, there's like five generations of Doug now or something like that. Yeah. I was just uh, curious to hear also about like more, like I, I have a pretty clear understanding of what like gen one and two were doing. Um, and I don't know, I'm curious about like what has developed since then. Um, and like maybe like what, what some of the applications have been. Yeah, definitely. So generation three was actually a pretty big departure. Um, I designed a multi-robotic system with my collaborator, Andy Cavatorta, to 
uh, which is essentially like 20 different floor-based painting robots that were connected to um, the urban flow of New York City um, that I used in um, this like sort of a very, very, I thought very high production, but um, a painting collaboration where uh, they're linked to different interpretations of urban flow taken from public cameras in New York. And uh, we paint on this like 13 foot by 13 foot canvas. Um, and it's a really different dynamic because it involves uh, me sort of adjusting to the position of multiple units and also thinking about ways to like harmonize my uh, gestural paint work mm. with it. So that was sort of the first time I broke into a different format from the robotic arm um, and started exploring this different form of uh, kinetic sculpture, essentially. Um, so I was really interested in that because I wanted to break away from this idea of like single human agent and mechanical agent in like the performance that I wanted to think about more like spatial interaction and like what that would feel like and how that is very much like, you know, I see parallels in how um, like uh, we've seen footage of like Amazon factories and like things like Uber, like automated um, kind of units in, in society and in our lives and how that organizes um, you know, a, a lot of uh, how we move and how our objects move in space. I wanted to think about what that design feels like and how that would work in a performance. So that was Generation 3, which we did in 2018. Um, uh, that was interesting. I was, again, like, um, first time, like, performing with so many different units was super chaotic, um, mm -hmm. but it gave, gave me a different impression of what um, it would be like to perform with uh, a broader automated system. Um, mm -hmm. And it was very chaotic at, at times, but I think I'm, I'm still hoping to expand on that. And, you know, I'm looking for ways to uh, fund different developments of that robotic form um, but yeah, I've, that was generation three and then generation four, um, has sort of been a, a hybrid project. I've been working on, um, using my, uh, EEG recorded brainwaves as, uh, as an input for the robotic unit, um, in the painting, um, process. And we're still in development with what that interaction actually is, but I'm interested in thinking about not only like gesture, but what biofeedback um, can do mm. in the space of uh, this sort of very what I feel like is a very physical um, performance now. There's all these like other layers that are, are worth thinking about just to bring a little bit of what's unexpected um, back into the, the project for me. I think I was interested in um, uh, reading my own brainwaves essentially and trying to achieve um, the alpha state uh, which is more associated with like deep meditation. I've been getting a lot more into meditation and just thinking about those like non-conscious, uh, mm. you know, inputs uh, made me want to bring that into this creative process a little bit. So that's been in development a lot over that's lockdown really cool. too. So um, and bringing in the audience with that um, by connecting that same um, EEG uh, data to visualizations. So we can sort of not only visualize or not only see what's go like 
some abstraction of what's um, happening <laughs> uh, uh, through the robotic articulation, but also through um, the visual environment. And then that in turn is something that I'm sort of implicated by too. That was in the most recent performance, um, but- That's incredible. It, it, it gets, it, it's, it's fun. It's, it gets a little complicated sometimes. But... I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure. Cause yeah, that's so interesting. Like sort of, you know, I feel like biofeedback and brainwaves, it's like one of those things that's like invisible, but always happening. And I don't know, just kind of engaging on that in that way, like feels like a very human thing to do, but also foreign, even though it's something that's like always kind of happening, you know? Um, yeah. And, you know, I think I've, I've, I've seen that a lot in, you know, to, talk a little bit about performance too like performers get into that flow state right mm -hmm. um and it's something that i always found really vital about that medium and you know if we convert that flow state to you know a data stream you know once mm -hmm. biometrics then that can kind of be like abstracted and quantified in interesting ways and and uh yeah i don't i don't know really how that works virtually yet but we're, we'll get there <laughs> yeah and I think as a follow-up to that, I'd just be curious, you know, through all of these different explorations uh, with collaborating with AI and applying it in different ways and in different like environments and stuff like that, um, what are some of the things that you feel like you've learned um, either about yourself or about how we interact with systems or the environment through, through like this kind of exploration? Like what, have there been like some like, epiphanies or or like uh things that you feel like you've taken away from it so far yeah i i mean i think i feel like we've traced a lot of that in in this conversation i think a lot of mm. times what one could make the argument that a lot of well, how a lot of people feel about engaging with um like their like social platforms or whatnot is very much about this feeling of control and like programming like you know, I, I just checked out like 15 minutes of the social dilemma. Uh, which oh is, yeah. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fine. Uh, but it's very, it's like very like 2016 for me in terms of mm -hmm. like thinking about how the algorithm is controlling and all, and all this stuff. You right. Know? Yeah, um, yeah. but I think uh, I would, I would say that through the work like it's been about exploring ways of engaging with technology that aren't about control um, mm. and not about trying to make things perfect, but just trying to explore this sort of curiosity and sort of understand what, how we feel when we engage with, um, you know, certain forms of technology like, um, like social media platforms or our phones or whatever, but then also recognizing that, um, you know, it, it's sort of, we're, we're able to explore systems and, um, it, in particular AI systems and robotic units in my, in my, uh, like sort of genre of work, but we're able to explore that to um, learn something more about something that we love for me is drawing, which is why I've been doing this drawing performance for six years and we'll probably continue to do it for a really long time. So it's mm -hmm. like a way of thinking about getting more insight into a traditional medium that 
I feel quite strongly about. Um, but also like realizing that, especially through this project, like how we define things like machine or system or even like human in a way, or like artist or performer is very mm. much in flux. And, mm. um, and I think I've been able to really chart that out in a really earnest way. Uh, that's just like me trying to figure out something for myself. Um, and I feel really empowered by that. And I feel like really creatively inspired by that. Um, and that's not something I thought I was going to feel when I first started out on the black box. Right. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I think I've gotten really deep into like theory and like philosophy in addition to like engineering and just the art form itself, because, mm. um, it's made me see a lot more of what things like a machine or a robot or, you know, a, a ecology, like what that actually could be and how mm. we can define that for ourselves as artists and as, you know, everybody really. Um, and I think that's really kind of important right now. Cause like, seeing stuff like the social dilemma, just, it's not, it's like very, it's very paranoid and, and it's not wrong, but it's just also not yeah. all there is. Um, and, yeah. and I want to continue to explore what's possible. Mm -hmm. And hopefully people like, I haven't seen it yet, but like judging by what you just said, like I have a, relatively good idea of what it's about. Hopefully people's takeaway will be more about sort of trying to find ways to break their habits and think of it in a different way and to have fun with it in a different way. Um, technology and how that relates to, um, the things that people are individually passionate about, um, the way that you've, you've been able to do. And, uh, I think that's, that's, it's actually cool to hear you talk about how you've gotten really into like philosophy and, and like, you know, asking questions like what it means to be an artist and like how that's in, in flux. Cause I think sometimes with technology, the thing that, um, and I've catch myself in this cycle too, like, you know, it's really easy to get bogged down with like, um, you know, cause there's like sort of like the, the, um, the conceptual ideas and like that in which you're, you're kind of exploring these technologies, but then there's also just like the, the very, like, like the grunt work of it, you know, where like every, like, just like kind of like figuring out like how to make this do a certain thing or I don't know, I, you know, what I'm talking about though. It's like, just to get like any kind of result, like there's so many like knobs that you have to like twist and turn and just like, yeah, sometimes and bugs are just bugs and not features. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And sometimes like, you know, you might have an idea that like feels like a beautiful thing to explore, but then it just like, doesn't work because of this or that with technology and sometimes using different technologies that like aren't designed to work together, like presents like all kinds of crazy issues, but it's, it's, it's easy to get bogged down in that, um, and lose sight of sort of like the bigger questions. And that's something that's kind of inspiring to me to sort of, I might, I'll, I'll probably be hitting you up for like a reading list. Cause now that I'm in quarantine, like that's something that yeah, we'll I, start I a book club. Kind of <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that sounds, sounds great. <laughs> But yeah, um, that's, uh, I feel like you have a real knack for kind of, uh, um, you know, figuring out like what the, um, figuring out what it is that is like being clear about what it is that like is getting you excited and, in and inspiring and then kind of like pursuing that through your lens in a really authentic way. And I think that's oh, really cool. So, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. That, that means a lot. 
um, I uh, yeah, that's I, I'm I'm trying to trying to do it. I think we're we're all like trying to you know see what happens to the practice, and but I mean that means a lot. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So I guess the last I think the last like written question I have here that we like maybe haven't completely covered is uh, basically like throughout the years like you've created art using many and we didn't even talk about this but like you've done you've created art like using different types of technologies such as like VR and like things like that um, and different processes and you've you've basically experimented in a lot of different ways but you always manage to kind of bring your own distinct style that comes through in the work. Um, do you feel like this is something that you consciously developed like your aesthetics in a way, or was it very much like just a natural thing? Like you have like sort of like, even back to like the artwork you were doing, like for percussion lab to now it's like, there's like totally a through line. And I think that's, that's really cool. Um, because it, you know, you have like a perspective when it comes to aesthetics. And I, I just wanted to hear you talk about that a little bit um yeah yeah that, that's a great question actually and and i i find the percussion lab throwback it's making me all nostalgic because not that many people <laughs> know about that and that was a really special time so um yeah i think it's been a lot about i've thought about it like it's very much about pursuing something instinctive you know and i think there's a reason to why everything for me is related at least at this point back to drawing in some way because that feels like that feels like the North Star in a way. Like I know, I know what resonates with me in drawing in process, but also like as the artifact, you know. Mm. Um, and that feels like, yeah, like not a control because it's not like a science experiment, but you know, it feels like something that helps me navigate the sometimes disorienting quality of working with new technologies, right? Like. VR, I find incredibly disorienting, but like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And there's just so like, yeah. you can do any, like anything you can do so much yeah. with yeah. these, these tools that you sort of get like, but I don't think people ever really not. I, I wonder sometimes if people ask why, like, yeah, you can, but should you, <laughs> you right, know? Yeah. And, and I think for me, you know, I, I know what I'm, what feels like a true artistic exploration for what I want to do and how I want to develop and and that's just very much been that drawn organic line and mm. and I mean I do other experiments that don't really see the light of day um but like you know so I'm not you know it's it's just I think that return to what I love about the process without thinking so much about the outcome is that through line um mm. you know because then yeah. it's like, it's just coming from me, you know? And I'm not totally, like yeah. trying to draw a giraffe, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And yeah, I'm not yeah, obsessing yeah. <laughs> over like the, the final thing. So, um, mm. and that process is really, and I think, I think it keeps things fun for me too, because it's like, otherwise it would be, if I focus too much on the outcome, then I don't, I don't know if I could, you know, I don't mm. know if I would enjoy it as much. So totally. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. Like, you know, people always say it's like, oh, it's all about the process, but it really, it really is. And I think another thing that people always say when it comes to technology is like, oh, you have to like, you know, you have to create, you know, set your own limitations. But I think maybe a better way to put that is like, you need to have a North star, you know? 
and like kind of having that lens. Um, and yeah, so there you have it folks. It all comes back to a really old technology, which is drawing. And for me, it's drumming, which actually those two things are like some of the oldest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Primordial. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Fall in love with a primordial craft and then you'll, you're, you're halfway there. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's awesome. Well, I think uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time, so I think that's a good place to kind of wrap up. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you again so much for, for doing this. It was really, really fun and inspiring for me. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. I, uh, I've been wanting to sort of reconnect. I, I thought we would do that like on the road or in New York at some point, but this right, will, yeah. this will be a good proxy yeah. till then. So. Totally. Yeah. I think pre COVID, both of us were kind of had like unreasonably like busy schedules. And it was just one of those things, you know, like where like if I was hanging out, even with like old friends that like I consider to be like some of my best friends I've known for a long time. It was like, I would have to pencil it in my schedule like months out in advance. And like, and actually in COVID, I've pretty much not really been like talking to that many people, but lately I've started to be like, Hey, let's like have just like a social zoom call, you know? And it's like, and it's funny to, it's, and it's good to, to do this as well to kind of have like a, a space where this kind of thing can happen. So I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. It was fun. Of course. Yeah. Thanks to Su Gwen Chung for joining me. Really loved getting to talk with her about her work and her perspectives on technology. Head to suguen.com for more about her work and follow her on all the usual social media networks if you feel so inclined. Plans We Make was created by me, Ian Chang, and my Sunlux bandmates, Ryan Lott and Rafiq Bhatia, and was produced and edited by Chris Jacobs. Special thanks to executive producers Michael Kaufman and Hannah Hauser for all of their support. And be sure to subscribe to Plans We Make wherever you get your podcasts. You can catch up on Ryan Lott's conversation with mix engineer Chris Tavron. The episode is out now. And guitarist Rafiq Batia will be on next week talking with DeAnthony Parks, one of our favorite drummers and an incredible thinker. I'm Ian Chang. Thanks for listening. <laughs>